The Bull Radio Football Show. Hi there, what do you think of the Scotland squad? The three Ryans, Jack Fraser and Porteous are in. No James Forrest, no Lee Griffiths. What do you think of the handball rule? We'll be talking to an ex-ref about the current controversy. Uh, what do you make of the title race so far? Are you expecting Celtic and Rangers moves in the transfer market in the coming days? Give us a call. Get involved with the Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, Stephen Cragen is here. It is Tuesday and we've got lots to talk about in the next couple of hours. Crags, what do you make of the Scotland squad? Not a lot of surprise. I think James Forrest being injured is a major blow to them because he has been quite productive against Israel. They got the hat check, of course, uh, as well as I think he gives them flexibility. The fact they can play with wide players, not a lot of width in that squad. So I just wonder, will Steve Clark stick with the back three? Maybe go with one wide player and have more of a defensive one on the other side of the pitch. So lots of decisions for him to make, but uh, certainly a huge game coming up for Scotland. What do you think of the Scotland squad here is how you get in touch, Ali? Absolutely. Give us a call. Wait, wait, 17, 17, 700. Drop us a text, 87474. Put go at the start of your message or just jump on those socials at Go Football Show. I suppose Ryan Fraser was a certainty to return. Uh, would you put him straight back in the team? Well, he's not played a lot at Newcastle. I think he's been involved in both Carabao Cup games. So he will be short of match fitness. He didn't have a club over the summer. It took a long while to get involved with Newcastle. But he's the only out-and-out wide player in the squad. So if Steve Clark does decide to go with a 4-3-3 and play someone else in the wide area, it will be alien to them or it won't be their best position. Ryan Christie has probably been the one who's played in that wide area. So if he wants to go with the 4-3-3, you would think it would have to be uh, Ryan Fraser plus one, which would more likely be Ryan Christie. However, if he does go with his back three, that's that's the confusion bit because um, I think he said himself that he's not too sure what his best system will be. I'm guessing it'll be based on, Rob, who turns up fit and available. You know, I think he said there's 13 or 14 players playing on Sunday ahead of Thursday's game, which isn't ideal for him. So it'll be a case of any knocks, any niggles, who's fresh, who's ready to go. On on the Wednesday, you'd imagine he'll name his team and decide his formation based on who's ready to play. I think he's picked Ryan Jack, hasn't he, based on the assumption that he is going to play in the next couple of games for Rangers, be it in Europe or be it in the the, the following league game at the weekend. Uh, but no Lee Griffiths, despite the fact he was on the bench for Celtic on Sunday. Yeah, I think it's slightly different because you know Lee Griffiths hasn't been training at imagine the same length of time that Ryan Jack has. He hasn't had as many games as what Ryan Jack has had in the last couple of months. Uh, I think Lee Griffiths getting involved on Sunday would have been a major boost for him personally. The fact that he is on the road back, uh, you don't want to take my win into national duty for three or four weeks and maybe doesn't or sorry three or four games, sorry, three games doesn't train an awful lot, doesn't get a lot of game time, and it can knock him out of sync again. I'd imagine there's been a conversation you would think so between Steve Clark and between Neil Lennon, just to say, listen, he's better with us. We'd rather have him here training. We'd rather get him on the pitch every day to make sure he is. You know, physically, mentally in the right place. Because sometimes international duty can be lonely. You can be on your own in your room. The players will have to be in their rooms now because of COVID. You're not allowed to share anymore. Uh, you get a bit more downtime. Training isn't as high intense as what it would be at your club. So putting that all together, I think it's better for Lee Griffiths to stay uh, at Celtic. Hopefully, Scotland get through this game and then he would be fighting fit for the game in November against uh, Norway or Serbia. It feels like a, a massive match because it is a massive match. And we've also had loads of time to think about it as well. And suddenly, with today's naming of the squad, you're beginning to think it's just around the corner. Well, it's becoming real. 
you know, as much as we've been talking about it, I think was it was it the Russia game at home when they lost, and they said that was it. It was it was all about you know the the playoffs. So the focus has all been on the playoffs. Uh, Steve Clark played the back three last month just to get a feel for it, just to see if his players fitted it. He played Scott McTominay as a centre half just to see if he could get them in. He rotated the midfield in the two games, so he knows the four three three. He knows the three four three or three five two. He knows it. It's now up to him to make that choice, Rob. But you're right, it's huge. We've been speaking about Scotland not being at a major tournament since 1998. This game is coming ever closer. The pressure will build. And I think not having the supporters there is a major blow because the Tartan Army, no doubt, are an extra man that forces the team on on such a big occasion. That's why the Israelis will be delighted that the Tartan Army aren't in Hamden Park. I think it just makes it more of a level playing field. Both countries played last month. They will know each other inside out. So it's a case of getting everything right on the night, your star players turning up and getting through to that final, taking it from there. I think it was going to, I think it was going to be a full house, wasn't it? So yeah. so that is a, a massive blow. It's a blow financially, but it's also a blow uh, maybe more significantly in terms of the support Scotland would have got going into that oh-so-important match. What do you think then of the squad about the players who've been included? Uh, 26 players across the three matches coming up for Scotland. Um, and what do you think about those who've been left out? Were there players that you were expecting to be included in that squad? Get involved on the show in the show 0808 The title race is hotting up. Um, another round of games to come uh, four on Friday and two on Sunday. Uh, the title race is starting to take shape now. Mm. And I guess there are serious signs, Stephen, of, uh, of the big two pulling away. If I'm being honest, I think the gap's getting bigger between the big two and the rest. Uh, Aberdeen and Hibs, probably not, but I think the big two and the rest, the gap is becoming bigger. You know, budget cuts from teams lower down the league, Rob. Rangers and Celtic still investing in the squad, having huge squads, spending big money over the summer. Uh, of course, we all know how important it is for Celtic to get 10, how important it is for Rangers to stop 10. So their full focus and investment uh, and mindset is all about being as strong as they possibly can this season and the rest are being left behind. Uh, I think there's three leagues the top two yeah. are going to go for first and second Aberdeen will, and, and, and Hibs will be third and fourth and Motherwell would you put them uh, well, in, that, in that bracket they still have to prove that this season anyway you know over the next four or five games I think that they have winnable games the next four I think they're certainly winnable they have Celtic uh, as their fifth game after that so if they could pick up enough points in those four games to put themselves back in the mix I wouldn't rule them out just yet but as it stands at the minute there's four points between fifth and twelfth you know, so that is going to be a battle that's going to continue on. Can you get two or three wins together just to pull you away from that to try and draw Aberdeen and Hibs back in? Some teams will have hopes of that, but certainly the big two are looking so strong, so powerful, home and away. They can rotate their squad. They've got millions of pounds sitting on the talent. Uh, sorry, millions of pounds of talent sitting on the bench. Whereas the rest of the club sometimes are just trying to get enough players together and trying to change their shape and their formation to be competitive. And very few have been competitive against the old firm so far. And there's really nothing in it at the top either because Celtic are a point behind, yeah. but they've got a game in hand. Is that is that about right? Is it is it nip and tuck at the moment? It is, and you'd probably say Rangers have been more free flowing and better to watch. There's an argument for that. Celtic haven't reached their peak yet. They're still finding their way. They're still getting their formation. They're still getting their players up to speed, but they're winning games and they're a point behind. If they win the game in hand, then they go top of the league. It's the, I, I think they have to wait for the game in hand for a while, but. That will please Neil Lennon the fact that they aren't where they want to be with regards performance, but they are points-wise. And that is ominous for Rangers that if Celtic do eventually click and get to where Neil Lennon thinks they can get to and reach that form, 
that they had in the second half of last season, then Rangers will be in. You know, they'll be chasing Rangers all day long. But certainly Rangers have looked good defensively. We spoke about you know being good, but they've showed ruthlessness in the last two games. Five at Motherwell and four at Villam Tway. Very impressive. I think Celtic fans are maybe getting a little bit twitchy at the moment with uh, still some time left in the transfer window about Odson Edouard. The the fact that, that he, he hasn't uh, started in maybe two of the last three games for Celtic uh, and also the fact that the, these links with the likes of Crystal Palace and Arsenal uh, keep on being voiced and un- until that window shuts mm. uh, and he stays, the Celtic fans won't be happy. Well, I would imagine Neil Lennon's message to the board will be we can't afford to sell. Because if we do, then what are we replacing them with? Lee Griffiths is back. How long for, we don't know yet. Hopefully it's for the rest of the season. Albin Ayeti has done well. He scored five goals in six league games. Uh, Klamala, still defined for him. So when you take Odds and Edward out of that, then there's a huge hole to fill, a huge void. However, his form since he came back from injury hasn't been good. It's either lack of form or it's lack of interest. That's only two things it can be. His mind's been turn somewhere else which I can't comment on I don't know or his form just isn't good enough that his form prior to that has been so good Rob so I can't understand with the form thing It's funny we were speaking about that last night with Barry and, and Si and, and I, I think we were probably uh, agreed in the conclusion that he doesn't look the type of guy he doesn't seem to be the type of guy Odson Edouard who would be uh, put off nope. his stride by 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 transfer interest. He, he just he's just kept on going in his time at Celtic, scoring goals with with the minimum of fuss. Yeah, well that's true. Up until now, he hasn't looked that way. But uh, his form since since the injury hasn't been good enough, and I think the Celtic fans will admit that. Odson Edward on his game is the best centre forward in Scotland, the best all round centre forward in Scotland. His link up play, his goals, his movement, his pace, bringing others into the game, phenomenal. But Celtic fans haven't witnessed that since he came back and that's the big disappointment then you start to think has there been interest is it affecting him you know is he being careful every time he goes down with an injury do you think he's going to go off that's the impression you get when you watch him playing because last season when he was at his best he was just free flowing no one could play against him he looked really hungry had a real appetite for it Uh, it could just be a loss of form absolutely it could be but um, if he was to go one way or the other then Celtic I think would be handing a huge initiative to Rangers unless they had someone else to fill that void and with the strikers they have at the club I'm not too sure they've got that so they would have to invest out with which doesn't leave them an awful lot of time You so know if- it was funny the other day when Marvin Bartley was on we were talking about the exact same thing and um, we were chatting about is it disinterest or is it that nobody was passing to him because that was a, a point that he'd brought up and he said look he's just not getting the ball so therefore you're going to get disinterested after a while and it might come across that he's disinterested in the game but maybe he's just not Getting, yeah. getting involved I don't know if if the players around him have thought everybody wants him yeah. will we I'd be surprised if it's lack of giving him the ball listen Marvin may have watched it more than me but mm. I, I just think he's such a pivotal player that when you any time Celtic get into that final third you would think he's the one player they're looking for he's yeah. the one they're trying to give the ball to because of his goal scoring record and actually part, of his, part, of, his, part of his game is dropping off as well Absolutely. and linking up Absolutely. and being involved in the build up he's the link up so. player so maybe he's just missed the, the player to play with him you know him and Lee Griffiths clicked so well in that three-five-two last season that maybe he's just missing that player and he's becoming a little bit disinterested because he doesn't have that partner beside him he hasn't built that relationship yet so you know we're reading between the lines and trying to find out why he's not at his best but the clear message is he's not at his best and Neil Lennon has to find out why yeah, and all things considered, Lee Griffiths could become a really important player mm. for Celtic coming back from injury. If he's fit, if he's firing, um, he, he could be a big player both for Odson Edouard mm-hmm. if he stays at the club or minus him, maybe teaming yeah. up with uh, Albion Ayeti. Well, that's, a, that's up to Lee Griffiths. 
That's his responsibility now. You know, you talk about accountability, looking after yourself, responsible for your own actions. That's what Lee Griffiths has to look out now. But get himself in fit. He's fit. Get himself into the team. Get himself scoring goals. And scoring one or two goals isn't enough. He really has to go on a run of form like he did in the second half of last season where he looked a threat. He looked back to almost back to his best. He was sharp. He was hungry. He was running in behind. He was holding the ball up. He was a real bonus for Neil Lennon after Christmas last year. For him to get back to that, no one else can 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 give him that rub. You can encourage him. You can you, know, you can try and guide him and cajole him. He has to really want to do that. And just doing it now and again isn't enough. And just getting back in the pitch for five minutes isn't enough. Celtic need him pushing the first 11, getting in the side, staying in the side. That is up to him, no one else. Lots of pluses for Rangers at the moment, including that, that 5-1 thumping of uh, Motherwell, which yeah, brought tears, that, tears to your eyes, thanks presumably, at, at, at the weekend. But, but also... Um, Lots of new input in the team in the absence of... I mean, Rangers fans would have worried about no Jack, no Aribo, no Roof in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. But in have come the likes of Scott Arfield, uh, as if he's never been away. And Jordan Jones mm-hmm. giving them a different dimension in the wide areas. Just to start with Scott Arfield, I think he's been absolutely terrific. And I would imagine he's one of those players that when he hasn't been playing, because throughout pre-season he didn't get a lot of minutes, didn't get a lot of game time, Started the season, was on now and again, coming on as a sub. He wouldn't have been huffing about the training ground. He'll have been first in that training ground. He'll have been driving himself forward, driving his teammates forward, the ones who aren't playing. He would have set an incredible example within that football club. And that's why Stephen Gerrard would have known, I can trust him, I can put him back in, he's ready to go. So when I watched him last week against Hibbs, I thought he was very good. And I thought he was very good on Sunday as well. Good against Valentine during the week as well. So he's getting the reward for how he's conducted himself and what he's done in his professionalism and what he's... Uh, went on and someone like Jordan Jones who there has been question marks I don't know him personally I don't know what's went on but the question is does he have talent absolutely he does and if people are saying he's, he's silencing his doubters people were doubting whether he could play for Rangers because when you've played 17 games in 18 months that tells you there's something not right somewhere but when he plays like he did last Thursday against Willem Tway and like he did on Sunday against Motherwell he's a huge asset and he must look at likes of Brandon Barker and think will he get another chance and he took it He's out injured at the minute, but Stephen Gerrard put him in in big games. He must look at Scott Harfield and think, that's how you train, that's how you react to disappointment and setbacks. He says the penny's dropped, he's feeling a bit better about himself. And listen, I'm selfish because I want him to play for Northern Ireland. We've got a huge <laughs> game coming up against Bosnia next Thursday, the same night Scotland play Israel. And Ian Barraclough needs the likes of Jordan Jones fit. So he is an asset for Rangers. But again, similar to Lee Griffiths, it's up to him. You don't just do it in... 20 minutes against Willem Tway and 76 minutes against Motherwell. You do it time and time again. He has the ability to do it. It's by getting his mind right, bringing his goods to the table or you know, every single game, and that's when you silence your doubters. You don't silence your doubters after one game, you do it after a season. And I think he absolutely has within him. He seems to have understood what it's about to play for Rangers. Because when you leave Rangers in a free transfer or someone buys your rub and you're not playing for Rangers, more often than not, the step is down. Well, we'll speak to we'll speak to Greg Doherty on the yep, show tonight, and, and he, he's somebody who's trying to relaunch his career. Jordan Jones exactly. has the chance; he's, he get, he's getting a second chance he because he blew it first time yeah. around uh, with the red card and getting injured out for a long mm. spell. Back he's come, and suddenly uh, Stephen Gerrard has got lots of options, mm. hasn't he? Because you mentioned Brandon Barker when he comes back from injury, he's certainly shown that he offers something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Jones in addition to that, to what looks to be the favoured front three of Morelis yeah. in the middle, Kent on one side and Hadji on the other. Yeah, and if they do get through to the Europa League, they're going to need those bodies, Rob, because players are going on international duty. You can't keep flogging the same 11 all the time. So having that flexibility and having those players in form all the time means then Stephen Gerrard can 
can can chop and change with his formation. He can put Jones in. He can bring him out. He can put Barker in. He can move Hadji in. He can get Roof when he gets back. Etten come on and score two goals. So suddenly, when he looked like he may be writing off two or three players, they have now come back in again. And that's when you get you, know, you talk about a second chance. There's not many players get a third chance. So your second chance is your last one. And that's the way Jordan Jones will have looked at it. Brandon Barker will have looked at it. And they think now we've got to show what we can do. And they absolutely have in the last few weeks so well done to them Bobby Madden was making headlines uh, on Sunday in that Motherwell Rangers game as well for the the two handball penalties given which has reopened the debate as if it had ever gone away uh, about the the rule book and and what is a handball what isn't a handball what is a penalty and what isn't do you know what it's so complicated that when you read it and try and understand it you can understand the confusion amongst everybody Uh, I think with the word deliberate being taken out suddenly opens a can of worms for me because you know, handball was always based upon being deliberate. It's all now about the silhouette of the body, but what you have to understand is, is that when you move, whether you walk, whether you jump, whether you run, your silhouette changes as you do with that, Rob. So you can't always be in that static one position with your hands by your side. So um, It is a very difficult one. I don't blame Bobby Madden and I don't blame Rangers, uh, Rangers for getting the penalties. It's the rule itself that is confusing everybody and Bobby Madden is trying to carry out the rules as best he can. I thought certainly the first one was harsh, the second one, Liam Grimshaw's elbows out, but uh, Bobby's decided to do it, and he just has a box to tick once he gives the penalty kick, and he's been able to tick the box to say that as a penalty. What we need is a former referee to talk us through it, someone free of the constraints, uh, no hands tied for Stuart Dougal, the ex-ref, is joining us after this. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! That's the number as well if you want to get in touch with us. It's football chat between now and seven. It's uh, that way, Monday to Friday, five till seven. So 0808 17 17 700. Text go in your message to 87474 on the text and on the socials at Go Football Show. Later on, we'll be speaking to the former Rangers midfielder, Greg Doherty, who is now a Hull City player in England in League One, looking to bounce back to the Championship with Hull. We'll be talking to him. We'll also be talking to John Hughes uh, later on, former Hibs and Celtic defender, former Hibs manager, of course, talking to him about Ryan Porteous uh, being included in the Senior Scotland squad today, among other things. He's usually never short of uh, one or two things to say, John, and I'm sure he won't disappoint on the show either today but right now let's talk handball rule it's uh, Rob McLean Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen in the studio on the Go Radio Football show and we're going to talk handball rule with uh, former ref Stuart Dougal hi Stuart hi Rob how are you very well thank you one of Scotland's best known referees of recent times on the FIFA list um yeah, you made uh, you made a few headlines in your time as well, but lots of experience, Stuart, and lots of controversy at the moment surrounding the, the handball rule. Can you can you understand why people are getting so excited about it? There was the Motherwell Rangers game at the weekend, a couple of penalties given there by Bobby Madden, which um, certainly had question marks around them. Down in England, Roy Hodgson of Crystal Palace has called the new uh, rule nonsense. It's ruining the game. Steve Bruce at Newcastle says football has lost the plot with the new ruling. What do you think? Well, I think the question marks around, uh, if you just take the, the two that you mentioned, uh, about Bobby Bobby Madden's game at uh, Firth Park, the question marks are only if uh, you're not applying the, the laws of the game. Um, they're pretty clear. Um, for those who are, are able and prepared to read them. Um, the, the, the opposite argument to that, the other side of that, is um, is it fair, is it good, is it ruining the game? Um, so people will have their views on that, but uh, you know, if you stick to the facts, then I think Bobby was uh, 100% right in both of them. 
Um, but do I enjoy it? Even as a fan now, looking at the, the, the overall football, do I think it's right? No, it's tough. But I do understand why it's been brought in. We're trying to move as far away from the facts as possible on this show, you'll understand, <laughs> uh, Stuart. But no, but, but serious, I mean, it's. I think most people have got a problem with the rule, haven't they? The, the change of the rule, the change of the wording and all the rest of it. I, I think I think everyone has a great deal of sympathy with, with referees and their application of it because because their hands are tied. Absolutely. And uh, again, as seen the back at the start there, and then why, why has the uh, law or rule been changed in this way? It was actually to try and give more clarity. Um, but the more clarity and more consistency you get in football, and obviously more decisions like this will be the outcome. Um, was it best left to the interpretation of the referee as to what was intentional or, or not intentional? Um, so again, it, it depends what side of the fence you're on. Uh, do you want clarity? Do you want consistency? And if you want that, then uh, this this uh, new change in the the, the, the law or the interpretation of the rule will give you that. Um, but there are plenty of people, as you've rightly said, there are not happy with it. And that's the big thing. Are you happy with the changes rather than are the changes uh, of the referees in, uh, implementing the changes properly? Obviously, in England, you've got the, the VAR possibility of uh, double-checking it. We don't have that here, so w- which makes life... Um, even more difficult for the referees because at least in England you can trot across and have a look at the monitor and get a second chance and the opportunity to, to change your mind but uh, you, you have to go for it in real time here in Scotland yep. and that's it and that's, and that's very difficult Rob I know I, I made a, a career out of difficult decisions I'm probably getting most of them wrong but um, you did Stuart yeah <laughs> I'm only kidding I'm only kidding did you ever red card Stephen Cragan I can't believe I didn't. <laughs> you must be—you must be the ref who didn't. <laughs> Neither can I. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there must be a red card in there somewhere, Stephen. But um, with his name we'll on it, to, uh, we'll come back to that in a, in a wee second. Um, what I was going with that is that if you actually you're right about vast, um, Rob, that the speed of a, a, a ball going into um, the box and whether it's a, a, a handball or not. Then you're taking into consideration: is it, you know, is the body shape being made bigger, unnaturally bigger? Um, is the hand above the head? Now that's dead easy when you're looking at television. In fact, you'll not be surprised when I saw the clip. Uh, I think it was the second penalty. Initially, I thought the penalty was for the shot pull, which there was a clear shot pull in Hollander. Yeah. Um, but it, it was obviously given for the handball. So the referee has either missed or has seen the handball first, whatever way you want to, to, to call it, but it's difficult, full, full stop uh, without VAR, the referees in Scotland are on a hiding to nothing uh, we've, all, we've never had VAR here so we, we were always on a hiding to nothing anyway but um, I do think it would be very helpful for the referees and for the clubs to get that clarification if we could get VAR in here Stuart, another word that is the buzzword at the minute is the natural silhouette but you, you know you'd have to appreciate that as you move, whether you walk, jump or run, the silhouette changes. So, you know, and again, I'm not blaming referees because I think, you know, there's about seven different things they have have to consider in that split second to give the penalty or not. But I'm just trying to think about the natural silhouette. I mean, I've heard some pundits down south and I've, I've thought it myself. If you get into the box on a 1v1 duel, you would normally coach defenders to be low and balanced and get their arms out. Mm-hmm. If that's the situation, that is out with the natural silhouette. So I'd be asking an attacking player Try and flick it off his wrist or off his arm. And that's how easy it would be to get a penalty kick. So that's why the natural silhouette doesn't overly sit with me all the time. 
No, I, I get that, Stephen, uh, and, and I would say that um, the lawmakers, even though people think that it's just um, guys sitting in an office who know nothing about the game, normally in the, uh, the consultation here, it would be the technical uh, committees of either FIFA, uh, UEFA, and combined IFAB, which, uh, as you know, is the, the governing overall governing body. Um, so there will be people in there who are ex-players at the top level, and I think Arsene Wenger might even be involved just now. So they will know you know, when you're putting in this um, rule about unnaturally bigger, the silhouette, etc., that this is how um, players defend or are coached to defend. And I, I'm sorry to say, but we'll need to get defenders to, you know, or, uh, defend in a different way by bringing their arms in, ensuring that their hands are not above their head, even when they're, they're jumping for the ball. And I've got absolutely great sympathy. But if the rule is what the rule is, then the players and coaches need to adapt rather than expect the referees to not to award. No, no, listen, I get no. Listen, I'm with you. You know, I'm 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 not blaming Bobby Madden at all because you no, know naturally he's you know he's looking at the the laws of the game and thinking that's a penalty based on what I've been told. In that basis, then that gives a huge advantage to the attacking players. Would you agree? Because it means the defender jumps with his hands at his side. The attacking player can be aggressive, jump with his arms, and try and get above. If it hits his hand, it's a free kick. If the defender does that, it's a penalty kick. So you can see where there's a little bit of ambiguity. Well, uh, 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 I think the clear thing there is you, what you said there is, is to favour the attacking team. That's what the changes are all about. It's about getting more goals, more goal opportunities. And obviously it applies both ends of the pitch. You know, you, you, yeah, you might be penalised if you're defending and the ball hits your arm when it's out. Um, but equally, you know, that risk is up the other end of the penalty area. So uh, again, it comes back to what I said there about the coaches and players having to to adapt uh, to what the, the, the new ruling is. Is it becoming a bit farcical, Stuart? It would appear to be based on uh, us old-timers, Rob, that uh, you know, it was back to the, the interpretation of the referee. But I, I heard Graham Souness um, on Sunday and uh, I thought his analogy was pretty good. He says, if, if we knew nothing about football at the moment and we started off and this was the, the, the rule, um, we would just accept it the same way as uh, there are very technical uh, fouls in basketball, for example, or even netball that have been made towards over the last uh, few months. Um, so it's just the fact that we're used to uh, a certain interpretation of the law, but that has changed. So we need to change, and everybody that uh, thinks it's um, not right um, either need to accept it until it's changed again. But but we spend so much time talking about it now, as as we're doing at the moment. But but in and around a football match, we just seem to spend so much time talking about the the rule book and the clauses and all the rest of it, and poring over penalty decisions. Where whereas you know there are other parts of the football match which are much more entertaining and much more worth talking about. You would think. You must be watching different games than me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, it's always been the case that uh, refereeing decisions are, um, you know, scrutinised, none more so than now with the number of uh, cameras and now, as you mentioned in England, with the, the, the VR. You got away lightly in your heyday, didn't you? Uh, uh, unless you were there operating the, <laughs> the, the, the pictures, I do recall me getting a fine as a result of you spotting me. Oh, um, really? Oh, 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 right, OK. Uh, way, way back in the day, but that's for another... Nah, it's good you haven't held that against me, though. Yeah. <laughs> not held against you but I've not forgotten it <laughs> Stuart, can I just say though as much as Bobby got the two penalties people think correct on the for Rangers I'm sure you've watched the one for Motherwell and I, I just 
I want to bring it in because I think at 1-0 that was an absolute blatant push in the back of Alan Campbell inside the box so penalties can be given for other things apart from handball would you agree? Well, you're, you're right and that's the interpretation and, and as I touched on Stephen that uh, I thought the uh, it was that penalty was for the second sec penalty was for the shot pull so what you can see in the camera um, and on a replay the referee doesn't get a chance to see that and, and Bobby would probably go back home and look at that again and think hmm yeah, I could probably have given that, um, but uh, I didn't see it the way that I see it now, and that, that's genuinely happened to me over the years. You know that um, you see things that um, and replay that you clearly didn't see at the time, and that's disappointing. No referee wants to go go home and see that they've actually made a mistake that was a, a game changer in particular. Is it harder to referee nowadays, Stuart? Do you think that it was in your day? Um, that's, that's a good question because. Um, the answer, yes, it is more difficult now, um, but I can I can flip that. So more difficult now, why? Because just as we're talking about just now, the, 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 the laws are being adapted, so the rules and interpretation of them are becoming much more difficult. The game's played probably at a faster uh, pace now, but um, I, I think the intensity's not the same. I think when I... Refereed alongside many other names that you'll know, the Willie Young, Shoe Dallas, uh, Kenny Clarks, and the like. The, uh, the, the competition was greater, I think, you know, throughout the league, and there were um, some pretty special players in most teams in the Premier League. And that that made it tough because it wasn't just a decision uh, in a, a, a Rangers versus whoever, a Celtic versus whoever, that might have been an outcome in the league. Um, all decisions were uh, pretty crucial. So I think the Rangers not being in the league for the last number of years, competing properly the way that they would like to compete, it, it's been a wee bit easier from, uh, for the referees in terms of that pressure. But uh, trust me, it's cranking up lovely in this season. <laughs> Stuart, <laughs> so, oh, I was, no, I was just, you carry on, Ali, after you. No, I was just going to say, how different is it, would you imagine, for the referees to not have fans at the moment? How much of a help or a hindrance is that as a referee? It's fantastic. Uh, the, only be- the only thing better than that would be not have any players, <laughs> especially like Stevie. But uh, in all seriousness, the, uh, the, there was uh, a study that I read uh, just at the start of uh, lockdown in Germany, and uh, the referees who have got the same heart monitors uh, as, as the players are similar um, for the same reasons, uh, checking their fitness, etc. Their stress levels were way down compared to what it would be like if the fans were there. And, and I think you see that in the players as well. I don't think there's the same intensity no. in many of the games. And that's largely down to the, the fans not being there. Well, that, that, I would think that anyway. Stuart, could we, could we decomplicate the whole handball thing at the moment by just saying any handball is a penalty? Anything that... I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it actually keeps it then very simple, doesn't it? Any handball in the box is a penalty. Yeah, we're going to get lots of penalties, lots of goals. That's no bad thing for the game. Why, why don't we just make it make it that simple that any any contact with the arm for a defender in the box penalty? Well, somebody you might remember many, many years ago, Bobby Williamson, um, and then I had a, a, a discussion, shall we say, after the game. That Heated? I hadn't given, yeah, a little... <laughs> Um, but I hadn't given a, a, a penalty because I didn't think the handball had been intentional. And, and his view back then was just give a penalty for every single time there's a handball. Now, yes, you're right, there'd be even more uh, decisions given now than there are uh, or looked to be given this season. Um, there'd be greater consistency, and as I said at the top of the programme there, that um, sometimes when you get greater consistency, that's when you get more issues. Uh, surrounding the game. The problem with B-Rob is that referees will still miss handballs. 
um, whether yeah. it's ricocheted off from or, or not. So you'd still get similar controversies, but for different reasons. And there's no easy answer. I think that's where we're coming to. There's no easy answer. We've touched on VAR in, the, in this chat as well. And, and uh, I mean, it's not happening anytime soon, is it, in Scottish football? I mean, it probably wasn't happening even before the lockdown and, and COVID and, and all the rest of it. Um, it's even less likely to be implemented now. Uh, and it leaves us as a um, poor relation to, to what happens south of the border and across Europe as well, doesn't it? It does, uh, although even with that, um, you know, it's, sometimes you see the players and uh, other, uh, other officials, sorry, of the clubs not accepting uh, VAR. So again, it's not the, the panacea that uh, solves all of the problems, but it certainly irons out a number of them, uh, which is great. Um, and I just wonder, and again, you guys are in the, the, the media, I just wonder if there's something that could be done as a kind of halfway house that um, for the clear and obvious errors to be able to get the, the match referee across to look at a monitor, you know, as Stephen knows, I've done a wee bit behind the scenes mm-hmm. in the last few years uh, and doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't take that long. Now, it opens up a whole can of worms about consistency and, uh, you know, not having television at every single game. Um, but uh, uh, anything that you guys can do to help the match officials, I'm sure they'll welcome. But, but there, I mean, there is there obviously is television at every game in the Premiership. Yeah. It's just not the same level of coverage, I suppose. But maybe your point, Stuart, might be that there are enough cameras, even at maybe two, three, four cameras, there's enough there mm-hmm. possibly to justify a referee trotting over to the touchline and having a little look. You've been trotting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if it, Stuart, I bet well, he's never trotted in his life. No, well, no, he was. You were a bit of a sprinter at times, Stuart. Mainly down yeah. the tunnel to get off. I think at the end sometimes. Yeah, like that. It's only when Stephen was chasing me, but I was normally, normally faster running backwards, as you might notice. Some many referees in the, the, the day used to run backwards a lot, and I was faster running backwards, and I was forward. But anyway, whether I was going forward or backwards to a monitor, I think you know we're not going to pick up. Just in that, sorry, just in that scenario, there, Rob, we're not going to pick up. Um, marginal offsides, and that's absolutely fine. But if we can at least eliminate major errors, or indeed even things like the handball, mm. I think that would be clear enough. in, in the, the Premier League games, where um, you know the, the cameras, as you see, are sufficient to catch the bigger incidents, that would be a start. We're not going to clear it all, as I say, with the, the, the you know marginal ball over the line, etc. But if we can at least help match officials with some of the bigger, clearer. Uh, errors that's got to be welcomed I would think I can imagine though the concern would be that if a camera caught an angle and you managed to change the mind on one game but on another game the angle wasn't quite right and you couldn't see it and and it was a major error then of course there would be conspiracy conspiracy theory absolutely (laughs) you know because I think because the two clubs up here are so dominant and so much at stake this season Stuart I absolutely agree with you it'd be great to have some sort of VAR to try and help the officials as much as possible just so they could get a second look and, and, and just guarantee in their mind that they made the right decision and we could move on but at them would say well what about this one what about that that angle of the camera's not right for so it would open a complete kind of worms unless you had everything covered such as the nature of Scottish football as you know well, I think it would be the cameramen then it would be under the scrutiny and not the uh, referees. <laughs> not the because the referees, the referees could only call it, you know, based yeah. on what they're being shown. Um, and I don't think there'll be biased cameramen out there. So I'm OK with that. I think we should run with it. Stuart, good to talk to you. And uh, can I uh, give you a belated apology for all those years ago on <laughs> trial by sports scene, allegedly, um, when, I, when I stuck you in it? But I don't think so. I don't think that's true. I would need to see documentary evidence. 
well, Christian Merlinger, that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> ah, right, OK, it's coming back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> all the and best. Cheerio and not the other <laughs> good to thanks, hear, Stuart. Good, good to hear from you, Stuart. Cheers, Stuart, thanks. All the best. Thanks. And you can get involved as well on the show 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go, go, go. Yeah, you're with the Go Radio Football Show, Glasgow's own, and a Scotland squad named today by Stevie Clark for those three upcoming games. The next one, uh, well, it's absolutely massive, isn't it? It's a week on Thursday at Hamden, sadly empty Hamden, for Scotland against Israel. Can we get to the playoff final uh, by winning that one? Uh, and following on from that, a couple of Nations League games as well. We're four points out of six so far, somehow remarkably. Uh, Scotland-Slovakia to come. Uh, that's on the following Sunday. And then at home to the Czech Republic on the 14th. So with three games in mind, uh, Stevie Clark has uh, picked a 26-player squad. It's uh, the goalkeeper's David Marshall, Robbie McCrory, we had him on the show a few weeks back, and John McLaughlin, Liam Cooper, Declan Gallagher, Scott McKenna, now a Nottingham Forest player, of course, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Palmer, Ryan Porteous of Hibs is in the squad, we'll be talking more about that, Andy Robertson, the captain, Greg Taylor, Kieran, Kieran Tierney, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, John Fleck, Ryan Fraser back in the squad, Ryan Jack named, even though he's injured at the moment, recovering with Rangers, John McGinn, uh, in good form for Villa last night, Callum McGregor, Kenny McLean, Scott McTonnell, Tommy, Ollie Burke, Lyndon Dykes, Ollie McBurney, Callum Patterson and Lawrence Shankland. So those are the names. Let's hear a bit from uh, Stevie Clark, the manager, as he named uh, that squad. And firstly, about those players selected for the three games. A little bit disappointed to lose James, James Forrest, who, who's done well for us. Uh, for the boys coming in, yeah, the squad's bigger, but we've got three games in a very short space of time. So it's important that... We have options within the squad and the players you have mentioned will give us those, those different options. So Ryan Porteous of Hibs is promoted, uh, suspended, um, I think, for the under-21 game, but uh, he's included in the senior side. And uh, Lauren Shankland is in there again as well after 2-2 two and two for Dundee United. Yeah, it's good to have Lawrence back available. He came into the squad at the end of last year. He did very well for us. Uh, shows up well in training, showed up well in the matches. Got his first goal against San Marino, and I'm sure he's looking forward to adding to that tally. So it's good to have him back in the squad. Ryan was in the squad in November. Uh, I thought he trained well with us. He didn't get the chance to play. He comes into the squad this time on the back. He had a really good start for his club, and I look forward to working with Ryan again. You'll have your thoughts, Stephen Cregan, on Ryan Porteous, a man who plays your position. Um, he's got some promise, but at times in the past, he's been a little bit impulsive, hasn't he? He's uh, lost the rag at times. He has. He's very eager, I think, initially in his early Hibs career to make an impression of, I'm here, I'm going to show you what I've got, I'm going to make every tackle, I'm going to win every ball. And sometimes as you get older, you mature. And even in a short space of time of six months or a year, I think he's matured incredibly, Rob, that his reading of the game is a little bit better. He hasn't lost his edge. When there's a ball there to be one, he goes to win it. When there's a ball in the air to go and head it, he goes and heads it and he you know, puts everything in he's got. So um, as you get older, you learn to read situations better. You anticipate things better. You realise you can't win every ball. You've got to take a step back somewhere along the line. Communication's a big thing when you're young. I think it's important sometimes to have older players or people communicating around about you. But he seems a leader, even from a young age. At 21 years of age, I think they've played almost 60 games at Hibs. 
tells you all you need to know. I think his distribution's good. He's quite happy to step into the game. So he's got lots going for him. So why not put him in the senior squad? Let him see where he has to get to. Let him see what he's all about because Hibs are going well. They're sitting third in the table. If he's playing centre-half for the team that's third in the table, then he deserves a little call-up. So uh, I don't think it'll phase him. I think he's a confident boy. But, um, you know, huge I'd boost agree for with him. that. Yeah, he Definitely is. comes across confident. Well, he is, but sometimes you've got to be. Mm. You know, we've got to... Sometimes in this country we criticise people for overconfidence, whereas mm. other countries encourage it. So why not have someone in the squad who's you know, overconfident and believes in himself and trusts in what he's doing? So he's. Uh, I always remember. I always thought early on in his career, every tackle was either was either he wins the ball or it's a red card. It was one of those ones mm. where you can. He, he, I, I think even he close. was. It was that close, and I didn't think he played in the edge that much. Too much lunging at times. There yeah. was, but sometimes lunging can be Rob. Players lunge because either they can't run, or they're in the wrong position. And I think his was because he was in the wrong position. Mm. That he maybe was a yard away from where he wanted to be. That when you step up from under 20 level, reserve level, things move that little bit quicker. The players move that little bit quicker. The ball's a bit better. So if you're not in that right position, you're out of position, you want to lunge. You want to lunge to try and close up that gap where you should be. Whereas this year he hasn't lunged as much because he's got it in his mind. He's reading it better. He's understanding the situation. He's realising the players he's playing against. And that gets even better as you get older. Maybe a touch of the Lyndon Dykes about that confidence as well. But it's great to see. It's great to hear, to be honest, from players um, really positive about what they're going to do uh, for for their country. And certainly Lyndon Dykes uh, uh, talked to talk and then walked to walk Mm. with those two performances in the last two Scotland games. I wonder what influence um, Jack Ross has had on on Ryan Porteous at Hibs because obviously improving Hibs defensively was a big priority mm-hmm. for him um, and maybe there's a bit more composure and a bit more organisation about Hibs now so maybe less panic. Yeah, well Jack's quite a composed guy isn't he? You know, Very Jack, Jack so. doesn't seem to get flustered an awful lot. I haven't seen him behind the four walls in a dressing room so sometimes it's just passing message on to young players. Just settle yourself down. You don't have to win every ball. If you can't win it, drop off. Speak to people in front of you. Get your positioning right. Read into the game. Um, don't be rash don't put yourself in a situation where suddenly you've been booked and then you're on the edge and you might get a a red card you can't win every ball and sometimes just having that little voice talking to you all the time and just reaffirming that in training showing examples I'd imagine from um, video analysis maybe not even just from himself from other players other experienced players who are playing around the world I think it's good for young players to sit and learn and understand why good defenders are so good why good strikers are so good if you can just give them little snippets here and there Jack is very detailed in what he does mm. so sitting and giving that impression to Ryan Portis will make him feel comfortable also make him feel at ease but make him see things you know because sometimes you're focused on what you're doing that you have to take a step back open your eyes a little bit and think Right, okay. I get bigger it. Bigger picture. I get it now. And 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 you have to try and encourage them to learn themselves. They have to get it themselves. You can't just keep teaching, teaching, teaching. You've got to almost probe it out of them, saying, What do you think here? And what do you think of that? And make them give you the answers. And once they get the answer and work it out, it sticks in their mind. So I, I would imagine Jack's given that along with uh, John Potter, who also was a central defender. So I'd imagine mm, that yeah. that kind of balance of giving it to young Ryan Portis has played a big part. Could Porteous and McKenna be the way ahead for Scotland? Absolutely. And I wouldn't see why not. You know, two young players who, uh, full of belief, uh, I can imagine do things right. I spoke previously about Scott McKenna and Derek McKenna spoke about it, that he wants to be the best in the passing drill. He wants to be the best in the possession. He wants to be the best in the running. He wants to be the best in the small side of games. He just has that inner drive to go and be the best he can. And Ryan Portia seems that way for me as well. So if you get two young, aggressive, focused centre-halves trying to be the best they can, Moving forward, it's probably one position over the past three or four years Scotland have really lacked, isn't it? Yeah. An experienced central defender who can bring composure, who's playing at a really high level and, and, and can give 
a bit of security defensively. I mean, I look at Northern Ireland, for example, and Craig Cathcart and Johnny Evans. They would be the two prime examples to go and play right at the heart of that Scotland defence, just to bring composure and assurance for everyone else. But Ryan Portis and Scott McKinney in the next couple of years, two, three, four years, could be that parent that could be at the heart of the defence for the next 10 years. But again, the responsibility is upon those two young men to keep their development going, keep learning as you go and progress. But no doubt they could be the you know, the two central defenders moving forward. One area in which Scotland are undoubtedly strong is midfield, but uh, maybe some eyebrows raised today that uh, Ryan Jack was named in the squad despite not having featured in the last few games for Rangers. No, listen, I've, I've named Ryan in the squad. Obviously, it will depend. Now, Rangers have a game on Thursday night. They have a game at the weekend. So, it will depend on Ryan's involvement in that. Obviously, if he's not fit to play for Rangers in the next two games, then it would be more difficult for him to come with the Scottish national team. But I give the boy every chance, or the lad every chance, to be to be fit and available for us. Yeah, and he's a big player for Rangers, and he's a big player in that Scotland mm. squad as well. So Stevie Clark giving him a chance. Yeah, and, and initially, if he gets through a couple of these games, I don't want to sound harsh, he may not come into consideration for the first game, just because he may not be up to speed as yeah. what the rest of them are. But they have two games after that. Yeah, you know, so he does have to look at the big picture. I've counted eight centre midfield players. At most, he's probably going to play three, maybe four, if one of them plays in a wide area. So there's going to be plenty of cover. And he done it the last trip, didn't he? When they played at home, they really played a midfield three or four. I mean, he went away to Czech Republic. He completely changed it and gave them all a game. Yeah. So he now knows what they can do, what the setup will be, what will be best, you know, pers- personnel-wise, what's the best combinations. Um, but certainly having Ryan Jack fit and available would be an extra body just in case he knows what he can do. He quite likes him. That's why he keeps calling him up. One of the first names in the squad would have been Lyndon Dykes. Listen, Lyndon came into the squad uh, after a couple of conversations with myself. He, he chose to come down on the side of Scotland. We were grateful for that. And I think he showed in the two performances last month that, that he can be a good player for us in the future. So it's great he's got that attitude. He comes in with a little bit of bullish, bullishness, if you like, and it's good to see. We've spoken uh, plenty about London Dykes, but uh, we've got a, a question here from McCready on Insta asking why has Ollie Burke been selected? And his follow-up question, which probably tells you where he's coming from, is what about Kevin Nisbet? Yeah, well, you know what you have to understand, Kevin Nisbet was, you know, has just stepped up from the Championship. He's still adapting from the Scottish Championship into the Scottish Premiership. Again, moving forward, I'd like to think he would come into consideration in the next what, six to 12 months if his form keeps up, if he keeps showing. He's looking good, isn't he? Really good, really strong, really quick. I I think he had one instance against Shane Duffy at at the weekend, hadn't he? He got in behind and he used his physical strength. So he's certainly one moving forward, but uh, I'm not sure Steve Clark has saw enough of him. So, But you'd imagine if his form keeps up and he keeps getting goals, he'll be next in the radar. Lots to talk about between now and seven on the Go Radio Football Show. We have the former Rangers midfielder Greg Doherty with us in a while, and the former Hibs and Celtic uh, man, f- former Hibs and Celtic player, <laughs> I should say, almost promoted him there to the Celtic manager. He was, of course, the <laughs> Hibs manager, and he is well placed to speak about Ryan Porteous and what he can do as part of that Scotland squad. That's all coming up uh, on oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go, go, go.
Yeah, it's good to have you with us, uh, Glasgow's own Go Radio and the football show, Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. Uh, big matches coming up for Celtic and Rangers this week, of course. Uh, the Europa League marathon continues. If you're going to qualify, uh, then you have to do it the hard way if you're one of the top Scottish teams, that's for sure. It's Celtic in Bosnia on Thursday, 7 o'clock kickoff against Sarajevo. 45 minutes later at Ibrox, Rangers against Galatasaray. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy and Stephen Cragen with you. We're going to be talking to uh, Greg Doherty, the former uh, Rangers midfielder in this hour and uh, the former Hibs manager, former Celtic defender as well, John Hughes in uh, the programme around about 6.20. Craigs, what do you make of those European ties? Should we ex- be expecting Rangers and Celtic both to feature in the group stages? I would, yes. Certainly Celtic going away to Sarajevo. They were there last year, I think, and won 3-1 in one of the early rounds of the Europa League. So uh, it might even be the Champions League. But yeah, I, I would certainly expect Celtic. Listen, they will have to up their performance than they did against Riga last time out. I think Neil Lennon said, you know, that you know they, they, they dominated the game, but the longer the game went and they didn't take their chances, you thought this could be a little slip up. But I think when you're Celtic and you go out of the Champions League, the next thing that the fans expect is you're in the Europa League group stages. And that is the expectation of Celtic. They would prefer to be in the Champions League, but the next, I wouldn't say next best thing, but the next target has to be get themselves into the Europa League group stages. So I think they will do it. I generally think they'll have enough. As for Rangers, up against Galatasaray, probably more experienced. Um, you, know, you look at their squad, uh, Ryan, they'll, they'll Ryan be, Babel. They'll, and they'll be in the Euro- Europa League qualifiers for a reason. Galatasaray. I mean, you, yeah. know, you, look, you look at a, exactly. a name like that, a big yeah. name, a Champions League name, and you think, wow. And Steven Gerrard, of course, the minute that, that Rangers got through the last hurdle, said uh, Rangers are underdogs going into this one. You know, and, and that's maybe him playing a game. Yeah. Uh, but but Galatasaray, I mean, Rangers have got, got to, Rangers and Celtic have got to be able to get through these ties because they should be getting to group stage minimum. Well, it's because you know we look at Galatasaray and we, you know, we remember the great sides over the years, but Turkish football has had a lot of financial issues over the past few years. They've had to cut budgets. The players haven't been the same. Uh, they haven't been as competitive in Europe as what they once were. However, they still will be a force. You look at Ryan Babel, Ryan Donk, who, who, uh, Dutch centre-half, he also played um, in England, I think, with West Brom. Uh, Falcao is another one. So yeah. they will have plenty of experience, Rob. But certainly the way Rangers feel at the minute and how they're playing and how good they're feeling. They look back to beating Porto at Ibrox last year. Um, Braga, they beat at Ibrox as well. Yeah. As you Warsaw. They have to use, Feyenoord's another one, they have to use all this to go back and think, we can you know, have that level of performance. We're good enough to go and beat these sides. This would be a huge market for them. I think this is the toughest game of the season so far in all competitions to really go and see, are they at the level to beat the likes of Galatasaray and get themselves into the Europa League? On current form and Ibrox, you know, I certainly believe they can. I mean, Cy Ferry on this show last night was was talking about Rangers and Celtic shooting towards quarterfinals, semi-finals of, of Europa League, and 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 that sounds maybe a bit ambitious, but but why not? Why not be positive about it? Think what the think about the results you're talking about that, that Rangers and Celtic had last season. Celtic beat Lazio home and away yeah. uh, should have beaten Copenhagen uh, in the knockout stages why not look a bit further and deeper into this competition could it happen? It could yes what would probably slightly concern both managers is the amount of games they're going to have between now and Christmas international players away Europa League's Thursday, Sundays Thursday, Sundays that's going to take an awful lot out of the squad so the managers are going to have to look out with their 13, 14 players they've probably always trusted and think can you step up 
David Turnbull getting at Celtic are you ready to go and play Jordan Jones and Brandon Barker we know you're good enough are you ready to go and do it every Thursday every Sunday yes you are good suddenly that 13-14 becomes 17-18 and then you've got to take in suspension you've got to take in injuries so I think for our clubs to be really competing and get themselves towards quarterfinals semi-finals they probably need their best 11 fit and ready to go as much as they possibly can if not then it's up to the squad players to do that but certainly initially let's get to the group stages let's get out of the group and then take it step by step but surely within their own dressing room they must have a look around and think we can go deep into this competition we've we've played at a couple you know you only have to look at Leverkusen last season they were very good as well when Rangers come up against them you've got to say they were a very good side you're right Celtic should have beat Copenhagen no doubt about it lots of disappointment there Friends Varos was very similar this year similar kind of game but when they look at it in the cold light of day, they think we should be good enough to go and get as deep into this competition as we possibly can. What are Rangers on now? Ten undefeated? Ten games at least? Well, they haven't lost this season, have they? No. They so haven't lost at all. And then they've had... Nine league games and two. Two, two yeah. So, games, so 11 games. 11 yeah. undefeated. And that's something... Yeah. Well, you have to build on that. That's yeah. that's what you want to do. You want to give yourself a platform to build, really to kick on. But as I say, I think this will be a little test up for them. This will let them see what the other top quality sides in Europe are all about. This has probably came a little bit early for them. People thought that would be Willem Tway after the first 10-15 minutes and they completely blew them away. Miles better than Willem Tway. So this will be a test, but one that they can pass with flying colours. You mentioned David Turnbull there. He absolutely cruised into that Celtic lineup in the second half against Hibs at the weekend. Some people uh, would be impressed and maybe surprised at how seamlessly he slotted in but certainly not you because you've no. been talking him up for a long time and, and talking about the potential he has not just to, to be around that first team but, but in it as, yeah. a, as a regular piece of the jigsaw what I wanted to see from David when he left or when he went to Celtic was when he got his chance to play first of all in a game that had something meaningful on it you know putting him on with 10 minutes to go when you're winning 4-0 he doesn't really learn an awful lot because he'll have lots of time and lots of space and the opposition will be dropping off but to go on at 2-0 when the game's still there to be won and lost. I wanted to see if he could go on and replicate his game that he's always been, Rob. He naturally wants the ball. He naturally comes into space. He'll take the ball off the goalkeeper. He'll take it in risky areas. He's got a drop of the shoulder. He can move it. And I thought, I want to see if he can do that on the bigger stage. And what he showed me on, on the second half on Saturday was he can. It, it, it doesn't frighten him. It doesn't frighten him going to that arena because that's what he naturally does. He naturally receives the ball, wants to play forward, wants to get shots off. He wants the ball off everybody. He wants to play the game with the ball at his feet. And that is very impressive and very confident from a young man to go into that Celtic dressing room to do that. I would love to see what the Celtic players actually think of him. Because naturally, when you look at, if you're Rangers or Celtic and you play against teams, sometimes you think, well, he's good, he's decent. It's always interesting to see what they think when they come into your team and they train and you watch some training. Does your estimations go up or do they go down a little bit? I would think the Celtic players will have thought, oh, he surprised us a little bit. And for people really getting the first viewing off him on Saturday in a Celtic jersey, I thought he was absolutely terrific. But you're right, it didn't surprise me one little bit. Another impressive uh, performance from Albion Ayeti. And we were speaking earlier in the show about the doubts about Lee Griffiths and he's, he's on the way back. Can he sustain that recovery? Can he play regularly? Can he do what he used to do for Celtic? And of course, the other question mark hangs over Rodson Edouard and his future and before this transfer window ends, will there be the bid that Celtic can't refuse? All of which makes Albion Ayeti a really key player for them. But he's now scored six goals in I think around about 240 minutes mm. of of football he just has that happy knack and, and that was a real striker's goal at the weekend because he, he, he made his run from deep and he was he was loitering when the ball came off Marciano to, to tap it in for half a dozen goals for Celtic already well 
you think of the top strikers around the world over the years who, you know, where they score their goals from, a lot of them score them within the double six-yard box. You know, six-yard box, add another one, and put, what's that up to the penalty spot? In and around that area, we come alive. They're instinctive strikers. They don't want, not they don't want to do the work in the channels, they're quite prepared to do it, but they know that's where they come alive. They wait for the little rebounds, they wait for the deflections, the ricochets, they're always instinctively on the front foot waiting to go and tap it in. And I think that's what will please Neil Lennon his first goal against Dundee United. I think he's off the pitch, comes back on, and he's alive and he's alert. He's waiting for something to drop for him. And, you know, we spoke last week to, to Paul when Paul Cooney was doing it, and we spoke about Ali McCoyst and we spoke about Henrik Larson, that kind of player that when they come alive, when the ball comes into that area, they'll quite happily take 20 tap-ins a season you know, to get their goal tally up. And yet he seems that way. However, his goal against Lip, was it, uh, Livingston? Is Livingston where he, he made the run and he was outside the box. Again, instinct to finish the minute he sees a goalkeeper coming. So he seems to have got a lot of uh, strings to his bow when it comes to scoring goals. Is he quite similar to Lee Griffiths? Might they be going for the same space? Probably. But Neil Lennon at this moment in time will think we've spent a bit of money on him. He's coming in, he's scoring goals, he's doing the job. If the Celtic fans are worried a little about Odson Edouard at the moment, the Rangers fans are probably having similar concerns about Ryan Kent. Yes, he's made it clear that he wants to stay at the club. He wants to be there. So so maybe nothing changes. But Leeds have not dropped their interest no. in him. They're, they're looking for uh, Daniel James at Manchester United mm-hmm. at the moment as a signing. And the word is that if that doesn't happen, they'll come back in again for Kent. Well, initially that would set the alarm bells ringing for me if I was Ryan Kent. The fact they're going to go for someone else if they don't get him, then you're going to be second choice. So you might think, do you know what? Thanks, I'm not your no first thanks. choice. Exactly. And that's a natural instinct. However, if an offer comes to the Rangers board, you know, they invested £7 million. He's not an asset. You know, to invest £7 million and he could be worth fif- between 15 and 20 for talk's sake. I'm not saying that's the figure. That's an incredible upturn. You know, an investment, they have a good asset. But imagine going to Stephen Gerrard in the last day of the window and saying, listen, we're actually going to sell your best player. That would deflate him. It would deflate the players in his dressing room. It would deflate the Rangers fans. And very much the same as Odson Edward. If that happens in the last day or last two days, that he leaves Celtic, I think the initiative then gets handed to the rival. So I can imagine both managers will be saying to the board, don't let him go. Make sure he stays as long as possible. Ryan Kent has hit the ground running this season. He's been Rangers' best player. They talk about adding their numbers, his assists and his goals. Everything about his game, he looks like he's enjoying his football. It's coming easy to him at the minute because he's fully fit, he's fresh and he's dominating games and he's he's opening doors for other people. Plus he's getting goals along the way. So uh, yes, Leeds haven't gone away, but I'd be hugely surprised if he left. He would still be an investment though, even at the end of this season Absolutely. and should Rangers stop, he will get that would be even more money they You're could right. potentially add on. He will get better and better. Mm-hmm. And suddenly if they win a trophy or a couple of trophies and, and they progress in Europe... His stock is up even more again because other people are watching him. He's doing it in the bigger stage. His value becomes higher. Other clubs get interested and then he can do that. But I think at this moment in time, what is he, 18 months into his four-year deal he will be? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Rangers fans will be quite happy for him to stay as well, Stephen Gerrard. They're, they're probably happy about the renewed interest from Leeds as well because when they came in last time, when they made a bid last time, Leeds, um, his form, which was already good, went up another level yeah. because he seems to, to like uh, being the centre of attention yeah. and he responds to it in a really positive way. Well, he's maturing as a player. I think that's what happens sometimes. And it is a big responsibility to go to a club like Rangers or Celtic and be the go-to player. Be that one player every week who has to turn up and, and, and deliver. And that's how you grow into being a top player. You take that responsibility on board and it just becomes natural to you. It looks natural and easy for him at the minute to be their main player, to be their main creative player who you know, he's got a little bit of guile. He's always looking for penetration. He knows he's got the pace on most people. He's got a trick inside the box. 
So why would he not be full of confidence and believing in himself? And he's just getting better and better and better. And that all comes from, of course, the, the interest will have certainly helped his ego, helped his self-esteem, which is fine. But you still have to go and do it. And he's doing it week after week. Another player who's at the centre of transfer tittle-tattle at the moment is James Tavernier, the, the captain. Uh, two penalties at the weekend, six goals in six mm -hmm. games for him. Uh, he was involved in two of the other goals as well in that 5-1 win at Fir Park. And uh, suddenly sp people aren't speaking about his defending yeah. anymore. They're, they're just saying what a player he is. And no surprise that uh, some pretty big clubs in England are having a look. Of course, because he's done it time and time again for Rangers. He's made some high-profile errors. Uh, and when you're a club like Rangers, when you make a high-profile error, people want to dwell on it. They want to look at it all the time. Then if you make another small error, they suddenly add the two together. They add three together. But you've got to say his consistency level since he arrived at Rangers with regards to his energy and his enthusiasm, getting up and down the line, adding goals, adding assists, Rob, has been second to none. There really hasn't been a better fullback in the last four or five years with regards you know, numbers Rangers talk about, the amount of assists he's had, penalty kick, goals from open play. I mean, how often do you see it? Sometimes he's the furthest man forward. You know, he's challenging the goalkeeper from across from the halfway line or deep, and you think, what's going on here? But So he has that freedom to go and play and do what he has to do. But again, he won't want to leave Rangers as captain not having won a trophy. That will always be through back in his face, and that will be his inner drive. And what I've liked about them this year is they've kept everything in-house. There's no bold statements, there's no silly statements, we're going to do this, we're the best team, we're going to do that. They've always just fueled the fire for Celtic and it's just give them ammunition off time and time again as a Celtic manager. Look what he's saying, look what he's saying, look what he's saying. This season, it's been kept in-house, no surprise for me, they're looking a lot more solid and they are, uh, they're certainly going to push Celtic this season a lot closer than what they have done the previous seasons. One other interesting transfer story, and it's more than speculation this time, it's actually a bid uh, which Hibs have made, a significant bid apparently for the uh, St Mirren skipper Kyle McGuinness. Um, I mean, that, that will raise a lot of people's eyebrows at a time when clubs are cost-cutting and, mm. and trying to damage limit financially. Uh, the thought that, that Hibs might actually have money to spend on a player. <laughs> well, they bought Kevin Nisbet over the summer, didn't they, as well? You know, when some people thought they wouldn't, they were asking their players to take deferred wages and then they went and bought a player. Uh, certainly, Kyle McGuinness is one that Jack Ross will know. 22 years of age, uh, young Scottish player, fits a profile of what Hibs are looking for. Someone who can go and spend five, six, seven years. So I, you would imagine Kyle McGuinness would get excited and think, that's a great prospect. He is I'm a contract. not so sure, you know. He's been really? with some, yeah, he's been with St Mirren since he was five years old. Yeah. And it's a dream for him to be the captain. He hasn't yet actually played. Uh, yeah officially as the captain so I reckon he will stay to the end of the season I know well, it's a great move well, but he would yes and he may well want to stay to the end of the season but sometimes in football Ali you get an offer you get an opportunity to go to a club and work with a manager he knows very well yeah and it may not be there in six months time I'm not trying to sell him and get rid of my football club. <laughs> like, if Jack Ross takes one more St. Mirren player, goodness me. Yeah. I would rather him take Kyle McGuinness than Alan Campbell. I know he's been linked with Alan Campbell. So Kyle <laughs> I McGuinness, think, do you know what? Alan Campbell mind. is doing great. <laughs> make up your mind, Kyle McGuinness, and get the Easter Road and leave Alan Campbell alone. No. And well done, Aaron Hickey, while we're talking about young stars in Scottish football. Made his uh, debut for Bologna last night. A winning debut in Serie A against Parma. They won by four goals to one. £1.8 million, I think, was the fee uh, received by Hearts for him. And, and he's off to a flyer, mm. aged 18. What a start for him, Craggs. I watched the game. and I thought he was very good. Uh, I wasn't surprised because he's full of composure. Um, the Bologna fans, I think there was a 1,000 in the game, that every time he made a pass, even if it was a simple one, they were applauding. You could hear they were excited to see something different to come and play for their team. 
Uh, and I think it'll certainly help him because when you move away from home at 18, it's tough enough. But to move to a different country, a different culture, a different, different language. language, everything, eating habits, training habits could all be different than where he is. I mean, the game's still the same on a Saturday, but you might be more regimented over there than what it is here. Sometimes if you go and you don't play, it can affect you. But he's only been there a short while. He's got himself his debut, self-esteem, confidence. He'll feel good. The other players will now look at him and think he's actually decent. They'll pat him in the back. He's suddenly starting to gel and mix in a little bit more. And I think uh, Mihailovic came out after and said he's very good. He's got lots of personality. He's got lots of talent. He's one for the future. Will he play every week? Who knows? But it's off to a good start. That will certainly do him no harm whatsoever. And uh, I'm delighted he's done well. And, and obviously credit to him for, for stepping out of his comfort zone. It had been easy to stay here and also mm. to turn down the bright lights of Bayern Munich because he wanted to think the bigger picture, I want to play first-team football, I'm used to playing first-team football, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to play first-team football or have a chance in Bologna for that was a better move over Bayern Munich. That league was his dream though, wasn't it, to be able to play for them? To be able to play in that league, not necessarily Bologna, but yeah, to and, play yeah, in that absolutely. league. So. Well, you look at the quality of player, like, uh, Lukaku and Ibrahimovic, you know he's out with coronavirus at the minute, but to have the chance that uh, Edin Dzeko uh, you know Immobile at, at, at Lazio mm. world class player so it's a wonderful for him to go and do that and as I say and really step out of his comfort zone to test himself he'll be better for it in the long term that's for sure Do you think standing ovation after your first game though, what confidence boost yeah, that'll give him? Of course it is it's a huge pat on the back for him it'll give him a lift and he'll want to go again Absolutely. We're going to talk to the former Rangers midfielder uh, Greg Doherty that's up next The Bull Radio Football Show Let's go the big games keep on coming for Celtic and Rangers, both in action in the Europa League playoff round on Thursday night. Sarajevo against Celtic and Bosnia. That's a seven o'clock kickoff, and uh, 45 minutes later for Rangers at Ibrox against Galatasaray, both pitching for a place in the group stages of the competition. Let's hope so. And uh, the last uh, Premiership programme before the international break is Friday night and Sunday. Friday, Aberdeen, St Mirren, Dundee United, Livingston, Hibs against Hamilton, Kilmarnock against Motherwell and on Sunday it's St Johnson against Celtic and Perth at Rangers and Ibrox against Ross County. Then we will get down to the serious business of that Scotland game which is a week on Thursday. Scotland-Israel, the playoff semi-finals. So plenty to talk about, plenty to think about as well. Let's talk to the former Celtic and Hibs defender, the former Hibs manager as well. John Hughes, hi John. Hi guys, how are you doing? Very well. What do, what do you make about uh, Ryan Porteous, uh, a man who plays your position, used to be central defence for Hibs, of course, uh, John, uh, picked in the Senior Scotland squad today? Yeah, it, it's fantastic for him. It's a natural progression for him. Um, I don't think he'll play, but just being in amongst it and seeing it, it's fantastic for him and Hibs. Uh, I've seen a lot of him and... Uh, if I was giving him any kind of advice, I would be saying to him, just through my own experience, I'd be saying to him, you know, he's picking up an awful lot of injuries for getting stuck in and wearing his hat on his sleeve, which is fantastic. Yeah. But as you're a little bit older and a wee bit more experienced, there's a different way to go about your game, you know, and you have to think about it a little bit more. But he's uh, got it all in front of him. And, um, you know, it's, as I say, it's great for him and it's great for Hibs. Do you think there are signs this season of him coming down a bit? You know, because he has, as you say, he's been really impulsive in the past and, and he's picked up yellow cards and red cards, given away free kicks in bad areas and all the rest of it, just by, by being a bit too keen. Do you see a change this season in him, John? Yeah, I, I think I have. Um, and it's not just the free kicks. He, he's went into tackles and he's come out the worst on bad injuries. 
Um, but he, he's starting to learn. And he's, you know, he's in a good place. He, he's back there. He looks a little bit fitter. Um, and he is starting to think about it. And that'll come, that just comes with experience uh, and just learning the game and asking the right questions. And I'm sure he's doing that. I'd like to see him being a wee bit better a footballer. You know, he certainly is a good passer of the ball. Get on, get on that ball and play the passes. But as I say, this is just part of his progression. Going away with the Scotland squad, seeing how it's done, seeing how the top boys do it. And see, he'll probably be saying to himself, they, you know, I can learn off these guys. Or they're no much better than me. And if that is the case, he should take great confidence from that. And maybe he's not far away from, from being pitched in as well. I mean, Scott McKenna is in there. We were speaking earlier on in the show about that, the prospect of Porteous and McKenna becoming a thing, becoming the Scotland central defence of the future. But maybe it's not too far away. It's not too far away, but I, will, I always think with Scotland that we've still got the problem where we've got, we've got two fantastic fullbacks in Robertson and Tierney. And right at this moment, Tierney's playing that left centre-back role uh, in uh, um, Arsenal so you know he's going to be there for a long long time um, but Porteous certainly deserves his chance he's um, you know he's, at times he carries that he plays as I say at times it's good to play with your heart on your sleeve and show that determination and that I'm not getting beat attitude uh, that rubs off and for a young man he does that but it's just doing it at the right times and doing it properly but absolutely delighted for him I really am delighted for him Yogi the guy beside him doesn't get a lot of press, Paul Hanlon. He kind of goes under the radar quite unassuming at times, isn't he? He must have an influence on him, even though maybe not vocally. Yeah, mate. Um, he's a manager's dream, Craig, Paul Hanlon. He comes in there, trains away. When I was here, he sort of played less than a half. I played him more. He played as a left back, gets his head down, gets on with it. And very unassuming, Paul. Uh, just goes... But does it properly, and it'll probably be learning off with Paul. You never see Paul, what we just talked about, doing all the rash stuff. As, as uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's done all that in the past. Now he plays more with his head, knows his passes, um, and knows where to be. Um, and you, you can only learn off them. You can only learn off the best and watch how they go about the business. Uh, and um, even last year, Paul Hanlon coming for a bit of criticism for the hip supporters. It was for me definitely not. And that goes to for Louis Stevenson and all the other guys there. You know, these guys that are hubs, they know they wear their heart on their sleeve, they know what the club's all about. They've been fantastic servants for the club. What's uh, what's impressed you most about Hibs this season so far, Yogi? I'd like to see just the results. The way they've showed them plenty of character, they dig out results. They've uh, recruited very well, Jack. I like what was recruited. Um, and they go about their business, it seems to be a settled team. And you know that yourself, when you're picking the same team week in, week out, you're not getting injuries, you're playing with confidence because your results, you're getting momentum, and it's, you just let keep it moving along, moving along, and that has been the case. It's got to be a very difficult game for them on Friday for a simple reason, as you're going to have to bounce back. You know, um, Celtic were... Uh, they come up against it against a good Celtic side, seemingly the best performance... Uh, in the season for Celtic and um, Hibs are on the receiving end of that so you know it's got to be a difficult game for him on Friday Brian Rice Chipper's very astute in what he's doing uh, and he'll set his team up being hard to beat and Hibs will know they're in a game but if they want to get that European spot then they have to make sure that they get back to winning ways and that's beating Hamilton on Friday 
John, it's Ali here. What do you think of Jack Ross's style as a manager and style of play for the team? Well, it's come under criticism, believe it or not. And that's normally the fans. I'm round about leaf from born and bred and I, I get to know and I speak. And, you know, and I'm baffled at times, you know, even with the Hibs supporters. It's, it's more in sitting and counter-attack and that big pitch. I mean, you've got pace in Boyle and the pace in this bit shows good pace. But as long as you're winning football matches, and I listen to Jack's interviews, he says the football will come. We've been brought up, or we all like to think we've been brought up, and it has, it's total football, and if they score two goals, we'll be they'll score three goals. But the game is changing. But I have to say as well, you know, I'd like to see a little bit better football, better uh, ball retention. But it doesn't matter as long as you're, it's all about we're in the win business. And as long as you're winning football matches, um, that is it. And so he's doing really, really well. And I think a big priority was to stabilise defensively as well. So it does come in stages, doesn't it? You can't transform the whole team in one fell swoop. And and he and he's made big progress by making Hibs a bit more difficult to score against. Although you would have to say it was the battle of two of your old teams on on Sunday, John. And uh, it's when you consider how well Hibs have been playing and the results they've been getting that it, that it puts that Celtic performance. Uh, winning 3-0 in perspective yeah 100% um, you have to be honest here Scottish football we even say Rangers and Celtic are miles in front I think that Aberdeen last year was the closest to them and they were I think it was a, well and I don't know the points difference for it was Aberdeen Motherwell John in case you're wondering it was, it was Motherwell come on give us a bit of credit oh well right aye but <laughs> the point difference you're right Craig but the point difference was yeah huge massive. yeah and everybody but Rob, you've touched on it. You're spot on. When you're building a team, it takes time. And I've seen a start last year for a lot of goals that uh, Hibs lost. It was on the transition yeah. right through the middle. And certainly Hibs, Jack's done that with Gorgic in there. You know, he's done that uh, and bottled it up. He'll put his foot in. He'll protect the two centre-halves. Uh, and that's it. And then it's a progress. I like what he signed. I like Murphy. Craig, you know yeah. about him, but he's a ball. A guy that took, looks after the ball. And he's after the wee boy McGuinness at uh, North St. Man, another one. I like these kind of players, guys that you can knock the ball in and they'll look after it, you know, and they'll play the pass. So um, things are looking up at Easter Road and long may it continue. But what you're saying, John, is certainly borne out by those results on Sunday where Rangers put five past Motherwell on their home patch and, and that Celtic-Hibs game, uh, 3-0. And you would have to say, looking at Celtic, there, there's so much from them still to come. Yeah, I've always felt that. It's funny you say that, Rob. You're looking, you're obviously with the COVID, you're looking for the outside in, but there's so much to come. And I'm just looking at it and saying, I think Neil Lennon just navigating his way through it, you know, coming up to this old firm game. And he'd be desperate to try and get a James Forrest fit. Um, you know, but I very much doubt that. But he's just, and he's chopping and changing and he's resting players, which is great. But Sometimes you just want to, you ask a player, you just want to play every week. And if you're, if you're flying and winning in the way Celtic train, the games will come easy, easy for them, but there's still plenty more to come uh, from Celtic. You know, we're seeing Edward sitting on the bench every now and then and coming on, so he's just, he's just nurturing him at the moment, but I still think Celtic have got another couple of years in them. And to be all credit to Neil Lennon, he says that against Hibs on Sunday, that's the best performance of the season. Also, if I'd like to touch on Scott Brown, you know, there's a lot of speculation in Scott Brown, his legs have gone like Scott Brown's that good a footballer. I think Scott Brown could play for another two or three years. 
And I'll tell you why. I don't think it, maybe this year, I think he has to um, drag his, the team with the scruff of the neck to go and win that, t- that title, which means so much down in a row and range of the history. Uh, and he'll have to go and drag it. But I think Scott Broom could play for another two or three years. If Celtic play that three-man midfield and they've got two runners beside them, he does it now. He drops back into that in between the two centre-halves, gets on the ball and all that stuff. But when he's always only playing with one beside them, he also has to do the other part of the job. You know, there's still, a, there's still another good couple of years in Scott Brown just sitting playing that sitting midfield role where a lefty and a righty beside them has got better legs because he's a fantastic passer to the ball. What about the ex-hibby of Lee Griffiths, John? He was back on the bench at the weekend, got himself onto the pitch. Good news for Celtic and, of course, moving forward, good news for Scotland. Grads, honestly, see, he's a bo- I love him. I don't know what it is. I just get... I just get See the lovable rogues. He, he do something <laughs> for me. Honestly, you're talking about O'Connors and Ryerdens and Stokeses, all these guys. Well, he does something for me, and I know Sparky. You know, he, he, he used to stay in my neck of the woods, and I actually signed him for Falkirk when I was a 15 year old. He used to play for Leaf Athletic, so you've always uh, had your eye on him and see what he was doing. And I'm just delighted. If I could get my hands on him, I would shake him, but I'm just delighted he's back playing football. Just back playing football for the mental health, for everything. The best place to be for all that, for me, is on a football pitch or in that environment where you're training, you're getting all that energy, you're training, and you're getting your fix on a Saturday go and play football. And I've always said, you play Sparky domestically every week, and he'll be well into 20 to 30 goals. Certainly, because he's a goal scorer, a natural goal scorer, and it seems to come easy for him. But his problem is injuries, and he needs to get himself fit. But he could still be a major factor, couldn't he? Coming coming back at this stage, getting back in the team, if he can stay fit uh, and get those goals. There are, there, are, there are question marks around elsewhere, Odson Edouard particularly, at the moment. So, so Lee Griffiths could be a big man for Celtic uh, as they chase 10. Yeah, well, it was only a few years ago, Rob. I think he scored 40 odd goals. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually say that, you know, with the problems he's had, I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll ever do that again. But as you say, I think the talent and Sparky and what he's got in the goal scoring um, ability, he's still got something in that locker. Uh, if, if he could stay fit, he could be the hero. He's, got, he's just got that natty scoring goals, you say. How does he do that? And it's not too long ago when we look at what we're talking about great for Scotland. Remember the two goals against England? Yeah. You know, he had me off my seat that oh, yeah. off my seat. Yeah. And you don't lose that. You don't lose that. That's still in the locker. The only time you lose it is because he, uh, it comes to us all father time or fitness doesn't allow you to do that. But if you can get back to fitness levels and get yourself sharp and get yourself really fit, which I believe that he's doing... Um, and he's got a massive part to play. And Neil Lennon will be absolutely delighted. Neil Lennon called him out a little bit. Uh, and as a manager, sometimes you're allowed to do that. You can call him out just to see if you get a reaction. Um, and hopefully um, Griffiths will react in the right way and come back and prove that he's still a top striker. So it's Celtic a point behind, but with a game in hand. Where, where does the balance of power lie right now in the Premiership, John, do you reckon? It's be true, but, it's, but I think I, I'm really impressed with Rangers. I have to say that as well. I just think Rangers are settled. I think they play some great football. Um, 
they've got that settled shape. Although he changed it a little bit when Arfield come back in, usually it was the three in midfield with one sitting. Now he's went two with Arfield, and Arfield gets beyond. You know him so well, don't you? Well, that's my boy. I have to give him a mention, Rob. You know, <laughs> I know. No, but he's he's been fantastic since he came in. But if you look at if you look at the Liverpool way and um, the way uh, Rangers play that three midfield and let the Kent and all that get on there and Morelos get on there, but um, it's touch and go. Honestly, I've been really impressed with the way Rangers are went about their business and this, the guys that they're signing. You know, the boy come off the bench on Saturday there, scored two against Motherwell. Yeah. Eating at Celtic, although he tweaked the hamstring, scoring goals. Uh, some uh, Red Scott Brown says he's a perfect uh, penalty box striker. So if these boys settle, it's all to play for them. It's great for Scottish football because we need it. We need it. Yeah, there, there, there's, a, there's a serious gap, isn't there, between Rangers and Celtic and the rest. I mean, we were, we were, again, we were, earlier in the show, we're saying it's pretty much a league of three bits at the moment, isn't it? The top two starting to pull away that battle for third place, which is maybe Aberdeen Hibs, possibly Motherwell getting in there as well. And then it's really tight among the rest. Don't really look man up for up in that top half. Right. I think Kilmarnock are starting what everything we're talking about. They're starting to get a settled team. They're going about their business. And they're looking more like the Kilmarnock... Uh, when Stevie Clark was here so I wouldn't rule them out and I'd love to see Motherwell not just because Craig's is here I'd love to see Motherwell I think last year they were a breath of fresh air so that's it but that's the way football it's you know everywhere you have good good times and bad times and that's how you react to it and what you've got in your squad and we're just talking about uh, you know the squad players and Griffiths and all these guys it's good for Scottish football it really is and um, it's got to go right down to the wire but I just feel Celtic well I've just got the know-how they know how to win yeah and just even even that time where uh, the cup final Rangers battered them but Celtic they hung on there and they just had the know-how just to go over the line and I think that might be a case again maybe that's my heart ruling my head but um, I just got that feeling John, good to talk to you. Always a pleasure, guys. Well, you get... Cheers, John. All the best. Former Hibs and Celtic defender John Hughes, former Hibs manager as well. And the former Rangers midfielder Greg Doherty is next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! So we're into the final furlong of the Go Radio Football Show, 5 till 7, Monday to Friday, Glasgow's own Go Radio. Uh, good chat with John Hughes there, and interesting to hear that uh, he includes Kilmarnock in the mix in terms of that battle for third place, as certainly Rangers and Celtic start to pull away. Talking of Rangers, let's talk to former Rangers midfielder, former Hamilton midfielder as well. Great spell at Shrewsbury on loan. He was at Hibs briefly as well. He's now a Hull City player in English League One looking to bounce back to the English Championship Hello to Greg Doherty Hey, how are you doing? Good Greg, it's been a while since uh, I saw you in our favourite supermarket in Mogai but let's not go there <laughs> right at this moment <laughs> How are things with Hull? Yeah, yeah, they're all good um, Yeah, uh, can't complain we've started well as a team so hopefully we can keep this uh, momentum going for a wee bit You're nine points out of nine so far? Yeah, we're good. It's, um, there's a, I think there's us and two others are, are in the same boat. Um, but yeah, us as a team, we're, we're happy with how things have gone. We've had two two quite physical games out of the three and we've kept clean sheets in the three games so far. So, um, no, we're, we're, we're getting 
uh, results and the performances are growing as uh, each game comes. You've had a few jumps around from club to club and you'll, you'll be keen to settle in one place. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a bit of a hectic spell, to be honest, um, the last maybe two seasons or so. So I, was, uh, I think that was crucial for me that I knew going into this summer that I wanted to be settled and, and just to have a full focus on, on one team and, and just really give my all and, and see what happens. And, and I found the right fit in Hull and it's living up to what I thought it'd be so far. How disappointed were you that it didn't work out with Rangers? Yeah, really disappointed. I'm not going to shy away from that. It's, it's a spell in my career that obviously it was everything that I'd ever ever dreamt of and and I'd wanted and and I'd worked so hard to get to that to that point. But sometimes I think as you, as you mature and get older, you realise that um, sometimes things are out with your control and, and it can be a bit difficult uh, to take. But I think um, I've been. A, I know I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm, I've been around the game a long time now. I've been around the first team for quite a bit that that I've matured and seen a lot. And but I'm still at a good age where I can go and take control of my career. And this opportunity arose, and and it was one that I, I did a lot of thinking. Um, it might be best, and and again, it's with my comfort zone and, and finding a new club, new teammates, and, and a new country as well again. But it's a it's a league that I enjoyed, and I know that I can I can do well in. And I feel like with Hull as well. Um, we're going to be pushing it at the right end of the table which is something that really attracted me Do you feel as if Rangers brought a lot of players in at the same time was that maybe part of the problem getting noticed was difficult just because there were so many coming in the door and the squad was so big Yeah well I know the squad obviously it was well known that the squad was really big um, and last year they wanted to carry a bigger squad but I think again it's known that the squad wasn't really utilised maybe and and, um, as much as me and a few others would have wanted it to be, um, but like it's easy for me to, to people to maybe hear my to what I, how I got on there and, and think obviously that I might be a bit better towards it, but that's actually not the case. Like I, I know I give my all every day, and, and I was understanding of the fact that there was some really good quality players in front of me playing at the top of the game, um, particularly from maybe summer last year right up until January. Uh, there was some real quality and, and players ahead of me in my position, and that was just <laughs> that, that's just maybe in a, a different time I could have got more opportunities but like I say it was tough to move the players doing so well um, so again that's maybe why I, I looked at a loan in, in January but I feel like it benefited me although that it was cut short by Covid Greg it's Stephen Cragen here uh, I've watched you over probably since you left Hamilton and your game has really developed I mean particularly last season when you went and loaned to Hibs your all round game had really grown you know, it wasn't just about energy and getting the bout, it was about getting the ball and starting to play in your range of passing. Has that been maybe going to Ibrox and working with different players and, and and just trying to get your game to that next level? Yeah, I think so. I think what actually really helped me was my spell, my first spell down here um, at Shrewsbury. I think that getting 50 games in the season, the consistency, the, the, the Saturday, Tuesday was a massive thing. I think that was part of the reason that attracted me down, uh, down here two seasons ago in the first place that there's that amount of games but I think um, yeah like when you touched on and although I was on the sidelines a lot last year watching it Rangers just being around and, and travelling and, and training with some top quality players and you've got guys like Stephen Davis who just seems to be getting younger as the season's passed mm. and he keeps improving and, and it's remarkable and it's training with guys like him every day I used them I thought well if I'm not yeah I can't maybe get as much time on the pitch with him as I want I'm going to learn from them in training and I was nipping his Guys like Davo and, and Scotty and, and Jack, I was nipping their heads a lot, asking them just like and continually watching them and, and obviously tra- being under good management as well to two guys that played at the top level in midfield and it's something I knew that if I would have got an opportunity in, in the Rangers team that I'd have had to 
have improved that side of my game. And I do feel that like I actually have improved that a lot over the past uh, little while. Your manager at Hull, Grant, is a is a former teammate of mine with Northern Ireland. How's he getting on, or what's his style like when you compare him to someone like Stephen Gerrard? Yeah, really good. I'm, I've been really impressed with. Well, to be fair, I knew I knew about Grant um, for like like you said when I first came down here. He was a manager at Doncaster. Yeah. I, I played against his teams a couple of times, and and I was really really impressed with just the intensity of his team, um, the way they played. They were total football, and I think that's a. So when it came to actually, I knew Grant was interested in me and, and I knew his reputation down here and, and he, he's a seasoned uh, pro in, in League One. He's, he's been here around a lot and he knows how to get out of this league as well. Um, but that this, the fact that it was, I would be coming into a team that maybe would suit my style um, and that was a massive factor in, in my decision as well. That When I'd spoken to him and, and his desires for the season and his, and his beliefs and again, speaking to people that knew Grant and him, um, he didn't have to. They didn't have to sell Grant to me. I knew that coming down here, it would be total football, and it, and it has been so far. It's, it seemed like Shrewsbury was a was a great choice for you, Greg, as a as a lone destination. That that just worked out really well, didn't it? I mean, you you mentioned the the number of games you played. I think you you, you scored a fair few goals as well, and you ended up being Player of the Year. Yeah, it couldn't have gone obviously personally any better in that sense, and and it was a big decision for me. Obviously, it was only six months prior to me moving to Rangers but I knew that I didn't want to stagnate and I think I said it a few times that um, I knew if I wanted to progress that, and I, again the squad was getting bigger and there was more demand on it and pressure at Rangers so I thought well for me looking I maybe wouldn't be getting the, as many opportunities as I'd, I'd like so I thought well if I'm going to improve for a year and, and to be fair I did um, I feel like I, I'd done what I was asked of me to go down there and, and deliver in, in that front in the games and, and the stats and things but like you say just that Again, the initial coming out of your comfort zone of Scotland and nobody knowing you and coming down and being that sort of on loan representing Rangers and people know of you. So you're carrying that, that on your shoulders as well. But it's something that I really enjoyed. And, and yeah, I look back, really fond memories of my time at Shrewsbury. Greg, it's Ali here. Um, I was just going to say, you touched on it slightly there, but what has it been like joining a new club with COVID and with all the restrictions and with everything happening at the moment? Yeah, it's been a bit bizarre, obviously. I think... Um, it's been, frankly, I think uh, there's been minimal cases down here, and we're, we're kind of we're based. But uh, the whole coming in with no fans and things like that, and it's a bit very strange. And it's, it's like a cliche: every footballer saying the same thing. It is, it is bizarre, but it's totally strange for everybody. Nobody kind of knows what's happening. One minute it's changing; it's um, one thing said, another thing said. But uh, initially, I, I was quite fortunate that I came in and that the club here to kind of seem to be up and running. They had their all their own bubble and I managed um, to join in that sort of the bubble of and it kind of seems to be running as normal obviously there are precautions uh, still the precautions and things but thankfully it's kind of back to normal day to day and, and around the training ground and on match days so down here so far So I take it did you still have to do a sort of initiation did you do a song when you got there <laughs> there's no team nights yeah. out I guess No unfortunately the song had to come out and it's not oh something that I enjoy <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy watching it I put it as well I'm not What was your selection? Uh, oh, it was um, Bruno Mars, I think. Just I tried to go with something that people would understand what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, had change, I've had to change my accent a little bit and um, yeah. speak a little bit slower. Uh, but no, it was uh, like they, they, they seem to have taken to me down here as well, and it's a really welcoming dressing room. And, and I think the fact that we've had such a good start and winning our first three league games really helped. Um, really helps everyone as a team, and, and we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, and we're all just waiting to go and we're just wanting the games to keep on coming at the moment Sounds like you could have done with the karaoke subtitles to be honest that would, that would have helped <laughs> Yeah well, exactly that would, it would have helped if they knew 
exactly what was going out of my mouth, but yeah, like that's just unfortunately. I was going to say I've got a clip of it right here, but you don't have to worry, <laughs> no, Greg. I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, I'll, I'll, do you want to give us a give us a Do you want to give us a couple of lines just now? <laughs> no, unfortunately, that's not me. Um, I'll keep that to myself. I'm never doing that again. I really don't enjoy it. <laughs> Greg, how's how's James Scott getting on? He was a player I had at Motherwell. Lots of hope for him at Motherwell. He's moved on to Hull. Is he getting on okay? Yeah, they beat him really, really highly down here. I think obviously he got him. Um, I actually actually moved in with him for a small period. He was uh, who are you? I think he was delighted. Another, I know, but no, it's good. Obviously, I feel like you know, we we. We bounced off each other well, but and um, unfortunately when he came down, obviously he had he got had quite a bad injury in the right. first training session yeah. right at the start. Um, so he's been fighting a sort of uphill battle from then. But they, I think we're seeing now that he's he's up back. That you've seen that the club have really rate him highly, and um, the, you can see obviously in training and through pre-season and the back end of COVID as well, he delivered some top performances. So they've got really high hopes for him, and, and yeah, he's really he's impressed me how mature he is and how settled he is. I couldn't believe he was only nineteen; he's just turned twenty as well. So it's just. Uh, it makes me feel old, actually. <laughs> just turned twenty, um, but um, no, he's, he's yeah, like I say, they rate him really highly. He seems Good. a very mature boy, and I've got high hopes for him this season, particularly as well. You're used to expectation, of course, uh, at Rangers, but there'll be a fair level of expectation, I'd imagine, at Hull, Greg, with having uh, been relegated from the Championship, that t- to get back up. And obviously, when you look back, it's only it's only five years ago that that, that Hull were in the Premier League. Yeah, well, that's that's again, that's something that. That actually um, attracted me uh, again to Hull at that pressure. The project here, um, again, when I spoke to the manager, and, and yeah, look, they had, I think, they had a real tough time of it from January onwards last year. From you look at the position they were in um, to end the season, but I think they lost, obviously, they lost quite a, two of their big hitters and um, for quite hefty fees. But that's just something that happens when the big boys come calling. Um, it's hard to say no. And but a few of the other boys, they got some key inju- uh, key players. They lost them to injury, and then. Um, some players didn't renew their contract uh, post COVID, and it was just you felt it. You actually seemed like they were fighting a losing battle, but um, they sound like you know, the English uh, version of St Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> I know it has been it's been tough for them, but I think there's a new a new sort of horizon at the moment. There's a new feel about the place. When I came down, there was none of that. It was it wasn't like it was a you wouldn't have thought as a club just been relegated. There was a real. I think the manager's been uh, keen to implement that right from the get go from them coming back. That it was just fully focused on. A new, a new beginning of you no know, like promotion this year. That that's that's um, that's the aim, and I think the players know that, and the, the players are wanting to sort of redo what they did. Well, obviously, um, what's the word? What the club uh, did? Just yeah, they, just obviously last year it was difficult, so they want to bounce back and want to repay the sort of the club and, and fans and getting back into the position. And you look at the infrastructure of the club; everything's there for it to be, and the stadium's magnificent. It's a lot. I knew it was a big uh, stadium, but it's fantastic. The training ground's good. The pitches are great. Everything's there. It's still run right at the top is um, so that again another appealing factor for me and, and there's no reason why the, the club can't bounce back um, but it's up to us as players to go and do that You lived the dream by playing for Rangers um, you're still a big fan obviously how are they going to do this season do you think they can stop Celtic getting to 10? Yeah I, I, absolutely I think you look at the quality in that dressing room and, and head to head I would back Rangers every day of the week but um, of course, it's. You need, uh, I think last year, obviously, this, the problem was maybe a bit of consistency and had uh, bouncing a couple of bad results on the spin. But I feel like this year that they look again. They've taken it up another level, particularly with the, obviously the defensive record this year has been outstanding. The consistency of the team and, and there's, um, players are really playing at the top of the game, and I think it's going to be a tough ask. But there's pressure on both sides of Glasgow this year, um, obviously for different reasons. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, 
maybe an early one, but I think there's, there's going to be a lot of chopping and changing um, this season. It's going to be an exciting one for, well, for the neutral to watch. I think it'll be exciting. And I guess working with Stephen Gerrard will always be a special time as far as you're concerned. Yeah, of course. Like, obviously, yeah, I can say like, um, he's obviously told me things in the same way with Gary McAllister. Like, you, you take a lot from their training sessions and, and the tra- um, and matches and the advice they give you. It's, it's obviously, when, when they speak to you, you, you take it on board and, and there's definitely things that, that I've learned from working under that regime and um, just obviously being around and how they go about their tactics and and things like that, and it's something that I think I feel like I will carry throughout my career, and there's some invaluable lessons that I was um, definitely being taught. Great, good to talk to you, and uh, good luck for the season with Hull City. Thank you, I really appreciate oh. having me on. Thank you for All that. the best, Greg. Good luck, son. Cheers, Greg. Cheers. All Thanks the best. Thank you. News at six are on the way, and we're back tomorrow night, five till seven. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go!